You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Monday, 11 December. Today in 1815, the U.S. adopts a uniform national currency. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Nick Kunza from Sunland Private Wealth. U.S. Job, US jobs data on Friday. I mean, was it enough? To, I suppose, what is it telling us about rates next year? And then uh, EBSA and Anglo-American updates. Uh, Gavin Rubenstein from Paycorp. South African crypto users, you cannot turn your Bitcoin into fiat at an ATM. I suppose the question is, is that what you want to do with your Bitcoin? Albert Borta from uh, Ashburton Investment. How the change of focus on the fund and the wild ride of fixed income over the last three years. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Buy to let, how to lose 60% of your investment, a lesson in throwing good money after bad. Business Day, Aspen and Biovac to bid for vaccine contracts under new 1 billion Africa package. Decision to create an African vaccine-making accelerator, combination of the AU campaign to reduce the risks of another jab shortage. Morning markets, uh, US was green, S&P and NASDAQ both up 0.4%. Over in the east, it's mixed. Sydney off a tenth of a percent. Tokyo strong, up 1.6%. Commodities mixed. Gold, $2,015. Uh, Brent is green, 76.10. Platinum, 9.21. And palladium green at 9.42. Rand, 19.02. Bitcoin, 42,200. 10 cent off 2.1% in the Hong Kong lunch break. And top 40 opening call, about 430 points to the downside. That's almost two-thirds of a percent. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Trading now with uh, Nick Kunza from Sunlam, a private wealth. Nick, appreciate the early morning. The U.S. jobs data, which everyone's saying this is going to tell us about rates next year, whether we're going to get a hike before some cuts. Non-farm payrolls, 199,000, better than expected. Unemployment, uh, 3.7 versus down from 3.9. I thought that would spook the market, but uh, it, it, it rallied. And certainly had the wage inflation at 4% year on year is what a lot of folks are pointing to and saying, nope. This is all looking good, and uh, the Fed can continue their pausing. Yeah, morning, Simon. It was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one to try dissect those numbers because they were really, really good, as you said. Mm. I mean, one hundred ninety-nine thousand jobs created, unemployment falling as well, um, and and you, I certainly would have expected the market to maybe sort of drop off a little bit. I mean, given given the fact that uh, you know the market has run up the last couple of weeks on the on the fact that you know maybe the things are slowing, so the Fed's going to be cutting. You know, look at those uh, interest rate um, uh, projections. Yeah. You know, talking about a rate cut in March, but uh, this, but uh, but apparently not. I mean, it's a bit of a peculiar sort of. Uh, uh, sort of um, differentiation between what the Fed is saying and what the numbers are saying and what the market is saying. Um, and I think it maybe it points to a, a wider concern that, uh, you know, the Fed has certainly lost a little bit of credibility. But the market, nevertheless, uh, another new t- another high for the, for the year on the S&P and the NASDAQ. So uh, 
yeah, it looks like we're getting our Santa Claus rally for now. Yeah, and truthfully, we'll take it, and I take your point. Uh, mm. the, the Fed seems, the market seems to just not be interested in what the Fed is mm. saying, and they think they can almost guide it. Anglo-American uh, lowering production across nearly all of its commodities. What, expenditure cuts 1.8 billion over the next couple of years. This, I suppose, is to be expected at this part in the cycle. I mean, commodity prices are under pressure, and, 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 and truthfully, in some cases, like Kumba, they just can't get it to port. Yeah, not not a great story, unfortunately. And the hits keep on coming, you know, on the back of uh, British American Tobacco and, uh, mm. uh, you know, Bidvest and a few others, almost like nowhere to hide at the moment. But Anglo-American, yes, as you said, very much the cyclical play. You know, perhaps this is telling us, Simon, that uh, maybe the bottom of the cycle is near. You know, we've had Sibania talking about layoffs, about mothballing in the shafts, Anglo-American next in line. But uh, literally kitchen sinking, I think. And uh, I certainly wonder if the new CEO, sort of Duncan uh, Wamblad, is, is basically just uh, throwing it all out there. But nevertheless, a big, big knock on the share price. And But I did notice, Simon, a couple of notes coming out over the weekend from some offshore uh, yeah. uh, analysts saying, look, these levels, they're quite happily sort of taken level. And, and I think I'm in that camp as well. Yeah, I, I think I am too. It, it, as you say, it's kind of like close to the bottom. It might not be there yet, but yeah. it, it, the value looks there. Absa update, i got to say, it looked weak, particularly compared to the Standard Bank one of a couple of weeks ago. And payments higher, a lot just going the wrong direction for Absa. Yeah, you know, financials financials are quite good sort of canaries in the coal mine. You know, they're leading indicators. They, they're very important things to watch if, if you're a market watcher. They tend to uh, lead markets up mm. and the lead markets down. But this might be a little bit of an offside one because, as you said, Standard Bank, really solid set of numbers, nice growth out of north of our borders in Africa. Absa, another story. You know, obviously maybe more exposed to uh, the local consumer than mm. others perhaps. Um, you know, just telling us that the consumer continues to uh, to remain under pressure. You know, the other thing is, Simon, I mean, I guess you can't be surprised when you see these things coming out of financials. Yeah. You know, the central, the South African Reserve Bank, I saw raising rates, you know, what is it, something like over 4.5%, 475 basis points since uh, end of November, you know, is to be expected, I, I suspect. But um, absolutely a little bit taking it on the chin, a little bit worse than the other financials. Yeah, take a point. Maybe Standard Bank is the outlier more than Absa mm. and Standard Bank there. We'll leave it there. Nikunza Sunlam, a private wealth. Always appreciate the early morning. And that's our poll today, LinkedIn and X. What's the Fed? What was those US job data from Friday? Enough to keep the Fed from raising rates. It, it, it looked like it probably wasn't, but certainly the market is saying absolutely it is. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and X. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. But what if you don't have to feel it? Our partnership with JP Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. So when you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the ups and downs caused by market fluctuations. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. I'm chatting with Gavin Rubinson. He is CIO of PayCorp. Gavin, I want to talk around buying and selling of crypto. Before we do, in a recent note you put out, research from AAA giving some insights. 83% of South Africans who own crypto are millennials between 18 and 44. That kind of made sense. What surprised me was 46% have over 10,000, 12% more than 100,000. Crypto is big in South Africa. Yes, Simon, it is. I think, firstly, thank you for having us on for a chat. And crypto certainly is big in South Africa. Those stats 
from AAA are accurate and mm-hmm. we can see the volume starting to come through through our new app. The last stat which really surprised me is over half of South Africans have actually used cryptocurrency for purchases and I really thought that that number would have been a lot smaller. People are treating it to a degree as a currency or perhaps a sort of short-term saving investment which they can then cash out. As I said, since we've launched the app, we've seen quite a lot of makeup of people withdrawing crypto through our ATMs. Mm-hmm. But there are also a number of retailers in the country who have started accepting various types of crypto through other apps, Pick and Pay being one of them. And the key thing with your app, Crypto Express, I mean, one of the challenges with crypto is the process of buying or selling. It can be expensive. It can be slow. You need to find and sign up for an exchange. You're trying to make this a much more seamless process for the end user. Correct. The only way you're ever going to get adoption is to make it as seamless and frictionless as possible. So ordering your cash through our Crypto Express app is a couple of seconds work. You accept the conversion rates. You transfer your crypto from whatever wallet you're using. Mm-hmm. And within seconds, you'll get a one-time pin to collect your cash. Okay, so that pin then says go to the the ATM, stick it in, and and ultimately get the money out the other side. Correct, correct. And through the Crypto Express app, we'll point you to the 10 closest ATMs based on your geolocation, which we pick up through the app as well. Can I buy in the app? Because this is obviously for selling. I've already got it in a wallet. I do that transfer. That's part of what the blockchain in the background. Could I make a purchase as well? Not yet, but it's certainly on our roadmap to, number one, extend the functionality of our Crypto Express app, mm-hmm. and number two, to onboard additional partners for additional cash-out or purchase channels. A tech point there, so for purchase, I wouldn't even necessarily need cash. I could be at my local grocer or a restaurant or something, and one of the options of payment, rather than fiat via credit card or physical rands and cents, could be to use an app like this. Absolutely. And that kind of functionality or technology is readily available, whether you're scanning a QR code mm-hmm. or you tapping your phone uh, using NFC. It's all available, just needs to be implemented. And the key point, perhaps, and I mentioned earlier, is that sometimes the process of selling can be cumbersome. What you're saying is pretty much I could be in front of the ATM and walk away a few minutes later with cash in hand. Correct matter of minutes you've converted your bitcoin that was sitting somewhere in the universe Mm -hmm. the the digital universe into physical cash at one of our atms what is take up been like i mean as we mentioned up front i mean this is millennials who are mostly the crypto owners and certainly an app is not going to bother a millennial by the least what sort of take up are you seeing on it we went into soft launch where we were just advertising it on the atms where it was available and we saw people slowly starting to trickle in and experiment with it Mid-November, we went public and we started putting out a few news campaigns and activating some social media campaigns. Mm -hmm. And since then, we've seen quite a hockey stick adoption. We've seen a huge amount of downloads from both the Android and Apple app stores. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a number of transactions on a daily basis. It's ticking up daily now. Is there a limit to how much I can withdraw? I mean, at the earliest at 12% of more than 100,000, I can't imagine I could take 100,000 out at one time from one of your ATMs. No. So we've got a 5,000 rand limit per transaction. So Mm -hmm. any individual transaction is 5,000 rand. And then there are various limits on what you could do in a month based on your KYC level. Can I also use this essentially as a wallet? In other words, could I load crypto in and then only take a small amount out and and leave the rest sitting there for a later date? 
Yeah, so actually a great question. Crypto Express is not a wallet, and mm-hmm. I don't think we want to become a wallet provider in the future. What we are is a bridge or a, let's call okay. it an off-ramp or a channel for people to access the crypto that's in their wallets, being a, be it a Binance, a Vela, any wallet that they hold their funds in, we make easy access into those wallets available. Gotcha. It's that bit, as you say, between the exchange and between getting the ultimate fit. We'll leave it there. It's Gavin Rubinson. He is CIO, PayCorp. Appreciate the time. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanlip Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Albert Berta. He's head of fixed income at Ashburton Investments. Albert, appreciate the time today. Fund management, it's tough out there. It's not just about returns. It's also about scale. And in a recent note you put out, you also made the point that, in truth, lots of fund management is about surviving. And you had one of your funds that a couple of years ago, by your own admission, seemingly wasn't. I suppose first question, this is your targeted return fund. What was the problem that made you look at it and think, we need to make some changes here. I think the first problem is that the performance of the fund just wasn't up to par. There was a portfolio that was run from a different division within the business. At that point mm-hmm. in time, in 2020, if you recall, the entire industry was going through a lot of issues with COVID. And within Ashburton, we had uh, just appointed a new CIO, my boss, Patrice Rousseau. And one of the first things he did when coming here was trying to figure out how everything is run and if things are run from the great places. Target return is one of the first portfolios that he said, I'm going to take this away from the team managing it and move it towards the fixed income team and one of the other colleagues in the liability-driven investments team and give it to them to see if this is a portfolio that they can run well because it has a high allocation towards fixed income. So it was purely a conversation around this fund is not doing for our clients what we would like. Let's restructure it and see if we can get it up and running correctly again. What was that process then involving? Obviously, it's different teams. It's moving it within divisions within the broader Ashburton investments. What was that process of changing? I mean, was it just an allocation or was there more to it? So those kind of processes, if you sit in that space, you have an existing product. Launching anything new is always difficult. But at that point in time, a conversation needs to be had is this product is not doing well, it's not gathering assets, the performance is not there. So you effectively have two choices. Either you close it or you mm-hmm. fix it. So we decided to see if we can effectively fix it. And the first thing was being asked to say, well, we it's being run at the moment. Put on the table a proposal for if we give the responsibility to Chris Sirium and Albert Porter, what would the portfolio management process look like then? How would you guys run it if given a blank piece of paper? So we went through the process. We had a couple of sessions to discuss it. We proposed something to powers that be within the organization. That was the proposal was accepted and the decision was made to effectively switch over the portfolio management to ourselves. And that occurred on 1 December 2020. 
Okay, so we're now three years in, and of course it's been quite the three years for fixed income. I mean, we had the the rampant inflation locally and, and even more so in many developed markets. We've had rapid rise of interest rates, which I suppose is something which you're prepared for, but we hadn't seen it for some time, certainly in the developed markets, but even locally, it's been a wild period. I think if you go back through history and if you, if you read some of the articles, very rarely the couple of years go by where there aren't market participants that feel the period is, is wild. <laughs> but by almost any measure, the things we've seen in the last 12 months, uh, 36 months, have been very challenging. For example, I mean, the U.S. 10-year bond went from sitting at 0.35% to trading over 5% within the last two months. Effectively, having seen the biggest bond drawdown in U.S. history, right? The 2022 for example, saw a negative bond performance out of the U.S. that was more than twice as large as any other year in the last 100 years. So even by the standards that financial markets are always volatile, and that's why we Mm -hmm. participate in them, even by those standards, the last three years from an interest rate perspective have been, an inflation perspective have been challenging. Now, the converse of that, and the thing that's quite often, I think, missed in these conversations is that drawdowns and these kind of difficult periods have a potential positive side to them as well in that they create buying opportunities. A bond that's yielding 5% is more attractive than a bond that's yielding half percent. And does it, I mean, and this is the naivety of me speaking, and I'm thinking, you know, fixed income is perhaps not as sort of nimble and as aggressive as equity, and that, that could be completely wrong. But I imagine the last few years, it's probably been a lot more nimble and, and adjustments making, or do you just ride it through? I think specifically with the developed world, right? The perspective, mm-hmm. and uh, when I say developed world, I mean mostly European Union, UK, US, there was this perception of fixed income as kind of this, this stayed laid back asset class that all the risk and all the volatility sits within the equity space. And that has been firmly disabused mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. In South African markets, I suppose fixed income managers are much more used to volatility and uncertainty. I think to answer your question, that the last couple of years has put in place a precedent or a situation where fixed income is suddenly a place where there is more risk than what a lot of people have gotten used to within the developed world. For example, I know that there are a number of uh, European market bond traders that for more than a decade haven't really seen a German bond trading above a 0% line, and suddenly it's trading in real territory again. So it is an interesting set of circumstances to be in, and I think much of the world is going to have to recalibrate to a situation where, for the first time in more than a decade, your U.S. bonds are trading at more than 2% real rates, which is interesting, and for investors, is a great place to be because you can get to CPR plus 2, CPR plus 3, even CPR plus 4, without having to take as much risk as you may have had to in the past. If the motto of the last decade up until 2022 was people called Tina, there is no alternative, yeah. you just had to be in equity if it's any place for real returns, that has now firmly changed over the last couple of weeks and months. Yeah, but I take your point. In some cases, we're getting almost equity-like returns without anywhere near the equity-type risk. We'll leave it there. So, but ahead of fixed income, Ashburton Investments appreciate the time. 
That's it for today. On Friday, we were chatting with uh, Jimmy Moyaho. We are talking about British American tobacco. Their plan to write down £25 billion pounds, uh, in their combustible assets, uh, i.e. cigarettes. We asked you if this is, asked Jimmy, we asked you if this really is a defensive stock. Uh, almost half said no, it's going up in smoke. The rest was split between yes, smokers will smoke, uh, and the others saying you love yourself a sterling dividend. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and X. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and the app 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobohle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Uranium. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now. On the money.